Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. Yeah, we're coming at you on a rainy Sunday here in Southern California. Storm of the century or whatever rolling through again, so we're going to talk to you. It's dry here in the studio. It's a little wet outside, but uh, hopefully you guys are staying safe wherever you are in SoCal or across the the country or the world. we got to talk some USC Trojan football with the coach Harvey Hyde, it's been a minute since we've had Coach on. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. We want to talk about the kind of state of USC program right now, getting ready for the Big Ten, recruiting nationally versus California, some of the news and notes around the program, all of that. So we wanted to get some opinions from Coach Harvey Hyde. If you have any questions or comments for future episodes here on the Peristyle Podcast, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or call us at 424-254-9141. Leave us a brief voicemail or send us a text if you'd rather do that. And uh, thanks for listening across the different podcasting platforms. Please follow us and leave us a five-star rating where you can. We appreciate that. And uh, we also simulcast some of our podcasts over on our YouTube channel if you are interested in that, youtube.com. And our YouTube channel is at Inside Troy. So make sure you go check all that out. And we want to check out the coach. Harvey Hyde, get his uh, thoughts on what's going on around USC football. We're in February, almost signing day, the the traditional signing day. It won't be that exciting as it's usually not because we got the uh, the one in December that kind of takes all, takes everything over. But, Coach, how are you doing today? Ryan, I missed you. I missed all our listeners out there. Uh, I hope you've been well and healthy and safe and all of the above. And uh, 
I hope the weather's better than what they, you know, I got my canoe out just in case, <laughs> right? Just in case I need to canoe around my neighborhood. Man, the news will make you feel as though uh, you get ready for the big one or whatever. But uh, I feel good. Uh, I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm sort of recovering from the uh, football season, but football never goes away, right? Never goes away. That's why you cover it. Uh, we've had the earthquake uh, as far as uh, uh, Nick Saban uh, retiring, and now we're having the aftershocks of all the other coaches now moving around and also the NIL and the formation of the Big Ten, possibly with the Southeastern Conference and all of the above. So, you know, that's why it's great. Football never goes around. I love talking about football year-round, and you do too. I do, Coach, and it's it's weird. Like, today's a Sunday uh, with no football because you got the Super Bowl next weekend. And, uh, you know, the, there's the golf tournament, the uh, AT&T up at Pebble Beach, and it's, like, rained out. I don't know, they might play it, but they're, it's really bad up there. So that would be something to watch. But it's kind of a weird day with no football. Then you got the Super Bowl next weekend, and then that's it for a while. you got the new spring league starting, the US, USL, I believe it is. But it's funny, I was playing golf yesterday before it rained and uh, – yeah, in a, at Alondra, and I was hearing it was some kind of like Torrance High School All Star game or something. We could hear the announcer announcing different people, I'm like, what is that? And they're like, offensive lineman, like Joe Rodriguez. And I'm like, what kind of football is going on that they're announcing this like on a Saturday afternoon? But it was some kind of local All Star game, which was weird. But yeah, you're right. Football doesn't go away because there's always something going on football wise. But next weekend with Super Bowl, that's like kind of it for a while for like the, fo- the football that we all know and love. Well, they have the local high school all-star games around the different communities. School districts have it normally if they have three or four or five type of high schools or if they have an area, they select two coaches and they promote it and they practice and they, they raise funds for their football program and so on. So uh, I've been a part of that before when I coached a high school all-star game when I was a youngster. And, and I tell you, it's great. But the only thing, when I became a head coach uh, in the uh, community college level, and also on the four-year level, I was sort of worried about those high school all-star games because if someone got injured in one of those high school games, and certainly you don't want to even think about that, and they've signed a scholarship to go to a college, now they've jeopardized themselves as far as a possible year of rehab or whatever. So I used to say to them, I discourage you in playing, I cannot make up the mind your mind for you because you're loyal to your high school coach who you played, and he's Bobby coaching the game or whatever. But I would suggest that you consider not playing. And I used to say that and leave it alone because I wanted to worry about the safety of the players and going to college and not having to sit out. Or maybe injuring himself where he can't play ever again because you know these kids in most cases aren't in great shape and haven't been hitting for a long time. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, I haven't. I I totally forgot that those things were going on. It was just weird to hear it being announced or like playing golf. I just happened to be on the right hole that was close to. Uh, I think it was over near El Camino College, is where they were doing that one. So, um, all right. Well, there's some news and notes going on around the football program. We'll get to that first, and then some of the topics uh, we were want to talk about with Coach Harvey Hyde. But Cliff Kingsbury, you know, who's you know one of the uh, analysts on the staff, was working with Caleb Williams and. Obviously, former Arizona Cardinals head coach and Texas Tech head coach. His name was, you know, talked about. Uh, he interviewed for some different offensive coordinator jobs in the NFL. 
he was still getting paid uh, a lot of money by the Cardinals. So it was, you know, it worked for him to come work for Lincoln Riley and work with a Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams and all that. So it made it made sense for him to come on on the staff and and help out with that. But it looked like okay, he's going to probably take a you know a big time job now. It looked like uh, you know he could potentially go to the Chicago Bears early on, and his relationship with Caleb Williams maybe help because they have the first pick in the draft. But then it came out that he was going to work for Antonio Pierce, you know, former Long Beach. Uh, Polly head coach and he was at uh, Arizona State and all that you know became the Raiders permanent head coach in Las Vegas and it looked like Cliff Kingsbury was going to join the Raiders and work for uh, AP but then it came out I believe it was yesterday it was this weekend sometime that uh, he's withdrawn from the uh, Raiders OC job so we thought that was going to be a thing and apparently it's not now not sure if he's going to be an OC somewhere else, but um, it looked like he was going to Vegas, uh, and uh, now that's not happening, Coach. Well, you know, you, you got to look behind the scenes on things like this, and obviously always their agents are out there working for them, and uh, when you don't get a job, there's always uh, a reason for it, and sometimes you always protect yourself by saying he has withdrawn, but you never know what really happened in the situation. You don't really know if maybe the Raiders came up with a different thought and and uh, maybe there's a different direction. Maybe someone else has thrown another offer out there that made him change his mind. But normally when you commit to an offensive coordinator position, you sort of look at it pretty closely. And normally it's the other way. Normally it's a change of heart by, by the team that uh, wanted you as the offensive coordinator. Uh, I think when you evaluate... Uh, him and his uh, professional uh, coaching and uh, his philosophy of the air raid, which basically is uh, part of the offenses that a lot of the college coaches are are running. But realistically, if you don't run the football, you can't win championships. And uh, I look at it as, uh, you know, Baltimore John Harbaugh saying, the reason we lost that game, we couldn't run the football. You saw Michigan winning a national championship because they ran the football and beat you to death. And I don't know if the air raid has really proved itself to winning any national championships or Super Bowls uh, or conference championships. So I think you have to have a balanced type of offense. You have to be able to go under center. You have to have short yardage uh, offense. You have to have a lot of things that make up a great offensive coordinator. Now, I'm not saying he can't adjust adjust and do these things, but he hasn't shown that he's done these things. So I think sometimes there's a second thought. They watch a lot of films, and I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just looking into it. I'm saying how, again, can you uh, accept the position and then pull out of that position because it isn't good as far as – when you're another owner or coach and uh, uh, you're going to hire a guy when you think about, is he really coming here because he wants to be here? Or is he going to pull out and go somewhere else? And uh, I sort of wonder what all happened there. Uh, and I think there's a lot of behind the scenes things. Uh, I don't think it's money. Uh, and I also think it's positions. Who's those quarterbacks now? Uh, in the air raid attacked in most situations you have a quarterback that scrambles that runs around like a Caleb Williams or 
Tyler Murphy or somebody that plays that type of offense where you can be successful. He's the second running back, basically, because he scrambles around and makes it happen. Now, Mahomes does a lot of that, but Kansas City runs the football. They can run the football, and they go to the short passing game when they need to, and Mahomes is just a phenom. I mean, he pulls it off. So I think there's a lot of thinking behind the, behind the scenes as far as our quarterback doesn't do that. And we've got to get a quarterback that runs that type of offense. Who is that going to be? We're not going to have a draft choice to get Caleb Williams. So I think there's, but maybe we can get someone else. Maybe we can get a a Michigan quarterback, or maybe we can get somebody that can run the Joe Joe Burrow's offense and be very successful. So there's always reasons why, and I'm sorry I went so long on this damn thing, but I just want people to understand there's, there's always reasons by certain why why things happen. Yeah, makes sense, Coach. Uh, speaking of uh, assistants or um, staffers, support staff members, USC added one, uh, Skylar Jones. So he last year was with the Oregon Ducks uh, as a sense assistant defensive line coach, uh, and prior to that, he was with the Rams. Uh, he was the uh, assistant defensive line coach in 2022 for Eric Henderson, who was with the Rams and now has come along and uh, is coaching on the USC staff. So he's, you know, was with Oregon, was in the NFL. He's now with USC and Eric Henderson. Hearing a lot of good things about Eric Henderson. He's really hitting the recruiting trail, uh, bringing the Lombardi trophy around. There's some cool stuff going on with Eric Henderson. Everything you hear about him is just uh you know really positive that they were able to get him away from Sean McVay and the Rams so bringing in his former assistant in and someone from the uh from the uh from the Oregon uh analyst staff uh it's good news for USC so helping out another guy to help out on the defensive side of the ball you know I think uh that's a good hire but you want to find out I don't know the gentleman but you want to find out what Oregon is doing, what they're recruiting, how they're recruiting, get a little inside information on their program, which you get. And also you get someone that knows what Henderson's teaching. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't have to reteach this guy as far as what he wants him to do. The kid will understand his terminology. And uh, I think it'll be a great opportunity for him because I think Henderson is is there at USC uh a move to get a coordinator job at some level or go back to the NFL. And this is a great situation for this kid. If he gets it done at Anderson with Anderson at USC could become a permanent line coach there. So it's, I think it's good for both because I think you've got a lot of high name profile defensive coaches. And, uh, of course, Lynn is the defensive coordinator, but then there's a co-defensive coordinator. There's a head coach who's a linebacker coach who's been a coordinator. Then you bring in a coordinator from Henderson, uh, from Houston. I mean, uh, there's going to be a lot of thoughts on what system is going to be run at USC, and I'm waiting to see and find out. Yeah, it will be interesting because you've hired people that are sort of overqualified in all that spot. So you have Eric Henderson being a co-defensive coordinator, but you're assuming that Danton Lynn is going to be the guy uh, calling the plays and, you know, maybe some of this is just for salary or whatever. And you're trying to lure guys around, but it's good to get, you know, former head coaches, former DCs, um, onto the staff as position coaches where before you might like, you know, there was some reaching maybe going on. Now it seems like you're hiring overqualified guys, which makes more sense to me, coach. 
Well, it does. And uh, again, you get coaches from areas as far as recruiting, from Houston, from the Midwest, uh, from other areas, the Northwest, uh, that you uh, spread out your recruiting areas a little bit more, and they should know coaches in those areas. And I think that's what you have to do. Uh, but again, you can't forget about the home front. And maybe a little bit later on, we can talk about that. But uh, again, uh, remember, you can have great coaches. It's like a jockey. When a jockey rides a great horse, he becomes a favorite in the race. So that's don't forget, it all comes down to who you're coaching. Doesn't make much difference what defense you run. But if you have the right players, you can run just about any defense. If you put them in the right position where they can be successful, and you'll probably win. But I like to see at least, and I don't know if it's an overemphasis by Lincoln Riley, but he certainly has changed his philosophy, which he's had, hasn't had for several years, even before he came to USC. That defense really makes a difference. And normally, the air raid attack type of offenses are we don't care about the defense that much. We'll just outscore. So we'll see how this works. We will see. Um, want to give a shout out to uh, USC freshman phenom Juju Watkins, who scored 51 points, setting all kinds of records. Um, versus uh, Stanford on the you know on the road there, getting a win against a top five team. So USC men's team not doing so good. They just did they did get a win against Oregon State, a blowout win last night. But um, Juju Watkins, man, uh, she looks like the real deal. So. Uh, some excitement around the USC women's basketball program that they were able to get a win like that. I really think that's great. It's great to fill the house and come out and see one of the great college women's basketball players. I really like women's basketball. I really do. They really play hard. It amazes me how good they are in shooting and ball handling and rebounding and playing as a team. It amazes me how skilled these athletes are. So I really enjoy watching women's basketball. I really do. In fact, I do a segment with the UNLV head coach, Lindy LaRock, who's 19-2 and in the Mountain West Conference Coach of the Year the past year, two years. She's been there now as a head coach, came there as an assistant from Stanford. And I've really got involved in women's basketball. I love it. I love watching it, talking about it. And it's really an exciting sport, and especially if you're a USC fan and you love basketball. You've got to get out and look at this girl. She was the best player in America as far as a point, point guard. And where was she? Right from home here in Southern California. Yeah. Good for her. Congrats to uh, Lindsey Gottlieb and the USC women's basketball team. Um, the NFL draft, we're kind of getting closer to that. We'll have pro days. We'll have the combine and all that. But they uh, over the this last week they've had the Senior Bowl and then the East West Shrine Game. I didn't get to check those out, but hearing reports from especially the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, I went to that. Oh man, like two thousand eight or two thousand nine, like John David Booty's year. Like nine guys were from USC in that game. But uh, Brendan Rice and Marshawn Lloyd apparently were doing a really nice job there. Taj Washington down in Texas was uh, doing well in the Shrine Game. So you know some of the former. USC Trojans uh, kind of showing out a little bit in uh, these these uh, kind of all-star games where a lot of coaches and scouts and everything kind of watching you. So we'll we'll kind of give you more updates as this goes on and uh, we get closer and closer to the draft. But obviously, you know, Caleb Williams didn't have to take part because he's going to be the number one pick. But um, I don't know if you saw any of these things, Coach, but some more football in the offseason. You know, uh, I'd like to talk about that for a moment. Sure. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, but... You know, Lloyd, uh, 
I liked him. I told you when we do our podcast, I liked him when I saw uh, videos on him when he was at South Carolina. And when he came to USC, I said, hey, this guy can play. And uh, I don't know if they really took advantage of his ability. They rotated him a lot. He can run hard. He, uh, he's got great hands. And, you know, you got to incorporate a guy like that into your offense. You don't alternate him. I mean, the guy can block, too. He's a, he's a stud. I mean, they rotated him around a lot and so on. I think you got to go with your guys. And on the offensive side of the ball, as far as receivers are concerned, look at the receivers that are doing Rice. So great. Rice was there, and and uh, they like Rice. They like these other players that are playing. I mean, I think at one time, I think they got a little bit overloaded in receivers. Why did they need Singer? I mean, they had Williams. They had all these other guys. Uh I think they got overloaded in their recruiting side of the ball on offense and neglected the defensive side. And then that's why they did so much, you know, rotating. Look at the bowl game. Here's three kids that played in the bowl game. Wow. They really performed well with Miller Ross. And these guys did not play all year. So I think you've got to balance your scholarship and your players and utilize it, just like Barlow. I've told you on the podcast a lot of times, Barlow was a heck of a football player. I'll tell you, when I watch him run with the football, i tell you, he was as good as any back in the country, too. Now, he's gone. I don't know where he went, but he's gone, and I'll tell you, like I told you, I'd have given him the ship to stay because you won't find a back like Barlow in the portal. Sorry, Coach. I had a little technical difficulties over here. Um, no, I, yeah, I think those guys are going to do well in the draft. We'll see kind of where they land and what sort of um, you know teams they go to, and and you know I'm sure USC fans will be following them uh, across their career. Uh, one last topic I wanted to get to is there was an announcement that the Big Ten and the SEC were entering into an agreement. Um, I don't know if it's like uh, shades of the alliance that didn't work very well back in the day, but it seems like the big the power two. The big two conferences um, are going to be coming together. I, I, the, the more and more that rules are changing, court you know lawsuits are happening, everything that's going on in college football, it seems like you need to come together. And the two most powerful conferences look like they're doing that. I don't know if you've, you've read about that at all, Coach. Any thoughts on uh, the the two big conferences now communicating? Yes, I have, and uh, I think it's uh, about time. There's been nothing done, and all the coaches are frustrated. Coaches, head coaches, wanting to leave their jobs. As far as at uh, Boston College and uh, you know Chip Kelly looking for jobs because of the NIL and the problems where they don't have the money to compete with the other players and so on. There are other programs. Uh, there hadn't been any way of trying to ally or put together any answer to all the confusion in college football. And Nick Saban even said that time after time after time. And if the NCAA isn't going to do something about it, then the, the people that make the money that the NCAA lives on, and that's college football, they're going to take control of it and say, we'll do it. Because you're not doing anything. So I think that if they do form, and you've heard me say this before, I believe on our podcast that it's going to be a, a model of the NFL. They're going to have a commissioner, commissioner's office. They're going to have their own rules and regulations. 
if they become employees or whatever is legal, what they have to do, they'll do. As far as fitting the guidelines or whatever, whatever period of time is recruiting, whatever period of time is uh, the portal, whatever period of time is the draft, which would be the recruiting periods, and they'll organize their own association. And I think other schools will start to, uh, you know, jump, want to jump into this, like, you know, the Floridas and Florida State, I mean, and other schools that they want to be a part of this because they're in control. And they just don't say things, they do things. And I think this better wake up the NCAA. Otherwise, you're going to have a, a falling out with them. They're going to disappear and maybe do the Olympic sports. And college football pays the bills for all of the athletic departments. You can look at the LSU program. They won the NCAA championship last year, and they're $4 million in the red. Oh, for the women's uh, basketball team, yeah. Basketball, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Good. I'm glad you're right there, buddy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, these are the things uh, they don't talk about. But they've got to take care of college football, the guys that pay the bills. So, you know, they've got to organize something because you're going to lose great coaches. People are going to say, I can't compete on this level, and you're going to have a level of the superpowers, the ones that steal from the powers, and then you have the powers who steal from the uh, guys that are pretenders are trying to play with the powers. Then you move down to the next level, and they're going to steal from that power and whatever. Okay, so they got to get some type of organization here of how they're going to do it, how many players they're going to recruit, how many. Maybe they can't have a hundred players. Maybe they can only afford to have seventy-five players, and they pay them a certain salary, and they have a salary cap or whatever, depending what the laws are. But they've got to do something to organize, to get this straightened away. And there's no better person. And I said this, I've been saying this all along. And maybe I haven't on our podcasts, but there's not a better guy than Nick Saban, who's respected by everybody, to head this up and be the commissioner. Yeah, no, I I love that. I mean, I think he would, uh, I think he knows the sport inside and out. The greatest coach we've ever seen. It would make a lot of sense, so. Um, all right. Well, why don't we do this? Let's take a quick break. And we'll come back. And there's some other topics uh, that I wanted to discuss with you, including USC getting ready for the Big Ten. Uh, back in a minute, everybody. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you looking to advertise a campaign, short film, a public service announcement, an important message? Look no further than Regency Outdoor. We have been around since 1974 and have the greatest locations in Southern California for your advertising goals. Our creative billboards are sure to catch everyone's attention, make an impact anywhere and everywhere in Southern California. To get started and for more information, call 310-657-8883 or visit regencyoutdoor.com. Regency makes it easier than ever to get your message everywhere in Southern California. All right, we are back here on the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and we're joined alongside the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. USC, the uh, 2023 season is over, ended with a win in the Holiday Bowl, but also getting ready now uh, once uh, the summer comes around. USC will be in the Big Ten conference so they're still finish up pac 12 stuff right now the basketball the you know the the rest of the sports the spring sports and then it's going to transition over and uh, we had jen cohen the athletic director on and she actually talked about i think it was she said like 45 percent or something of the sports would have a big 10 schedule it's not every sport so there's a lot of sports that you know continue to be on the west coach which is which is good but there's some challenges for, you know, basketball, a lot of travel and stuff. With football, you're talking about, you know, four trips a year or whatever, but still, it's some, you know, it's some significant travel. But, you know, change, the style of play is different. Um, you know, I just wanted to get your thoughts, Coach, on USC football specifically getting ready to play uh, in a completely different conference, you know, bringing along UCLA, Washington, and Oregon. So there's some familiar faces, but. Uh, you know, familiar foes from the Rose Bowl, but, you know, those are teams you play few and far between. So trips to Michigan, you know, all that kind of stuff. Any any thoughts on USC and what Lincoln Riley and the athletic department need to do to prepare to join the Big, Tw- Big Ten? Well, first of all, <clears throat> knowing myself and how I feel, and I'm sure they feel the same, I'm not going to be intimidated by the Big Ten. I mean, okay, we played you in the Rose Bowl, and I think that we've demonstrated we can win in the Rose Bowl when they had the tie-up. I think we can play. Uh, you've got uh, two pretty darn good teams in the Big Ten, I have to say, uh, in uh, Michigan and Ohio State. But I look down the rest of the teams. Uh, Iowa plays good defense. I think the Pac-12 can play with them. I think the last year the Pac-12 demonstrated they can play with anybody in the right time with the uh, the Big Ten. You look down, you got Indiana, Purdue, you know, you got Minnesota, you like these schools. I, I think I, I think the the UCLA the USC's UCLA's Oregon and Washington can play those people. Now Penn State's a challenge. They got a great program. 
I think uh, Michigan's going to lose a lot of players. They're going to play there, but I think they can line up and play. They should be intimidated. Ohio State's going to be loaded. And uh, I think that uh, you got to load up, too. It's uh, This is a big man heavyweight championship fight conference. And, yeah, if you have to travel, you have to travel. That's part of doing what you have to do when you invade an area. But I wouldn't be intimidated. You know, I'm sort of getting tired myself if I was, you know, a coaching a, a USC team is saying I hear so much about the Big Ten. The hell with the Big Ten. Let's talk about USC. And what we're going to do in the Big Ten, we're going to let them know we can play with them. We're not going to be intimidated. I think they have to get ready for that and recruit with that. And I think they have to, you know, prepare for the opening game, which will be a very difficult game in Las Vegas against LSU, because they've got a lot of talented players and so on. And Michigan and Michigan in the early part of the season will be a tough game. But, hey, you know, USC's got a lot of great tradition. And uh, I think they can play with those teams. Now, they play a lot of great teams, and there are going to be some traveling that's going on, but you have to arrange all that with the best interest of your team of how you travel the best. Now, remember, they're going to have to travel out here, too, but you're going to have to go more times back there than some team would have to come out here. So I think behind the scenes, all your uh, positions have to organize and know where to stay, the new film restrictions, the video part of it, the trucking of your equipment. You know, they load up their trucks and they have to go all the way across country and back. Now you put that all together. Do you uh, get two trucks and leave one truck back there if you have back-to-back games uh, back east? Uh, How do you do all these things? Your charters, when do you go in? Two days before, one day before? Will you take advantage of What's going on? Do you practice at the time you're going to play out here? You practice because of the time changes. You practice so your body starts to get, uh, uh, you know, used to playing at the t- time you're going to play a game. You don't have to worry about the time, but time, but time zones. These are the things you have to do a lot of studying with nutrition, all of that as far as making these adjustments. But lining up player-wise with the tradition of USC, I'd say bring them on. And I think you ought to recruit that type of uh, philosophy with positive nuts, not, oh, well, we're going to read this, going to be really tough, and we're going to be this and that. You know, you get ready to play that type of ball. I think that's what it's all about. And, and I think that you, you take it as a real, hey, this is going to be great. Uh, let's get after it. And I think uh, Oregon next year is going to be loaded. They'll be able to play these teams. Washington's going through an adjustment of a coaching staff. Now, UCLA, I don't know what the hell's going on there. It's like the ship is sinking. You don't hear anything about that. The head coach is trying to get out of there. NIL money is bad. All the assistant coaches have left almost. So who knows what's going to happen there. And if Chip Kelly leaves, of course, all those players have an opportunity to go somewhere else and have already looked at the list of players who have committed to them or signed on who I'd go after. And I think other people are doing that, too. But I think Chip wants out of there. The only thing that's holding him there and why people aren't hiring him is because he's got a buyout. And uh, people are thinking about, do they want to pay that much money for a buyout? But, you know, and another thing I would do, I'm sorry I'm rambling, okay? No, no, it's okay. It's a, it's a big topic. I mean, it's, and the right. Chip Kelly stuff is and, interesting. So, And the next thing I would do is I would invite Jim Harbaugh to my house for dinner with his wife. And I would get to know him as a friend. And I would listen to him and make him feel welcome in Southern California because this guy 
has won at every level. And I would say, what does it take to win in the Big Ten, Jim? And coaches share that. I mean, well, you got to do this, and I did this when I went there, and I made a mistake here, and I shouldn't have done that. And, and, and you know, he's going to be lulled to Michigan, but he's going to talk college football with Lincoln Riley as far as the other schools, what we've seen, and so on. Because Lincoln Riley's going to have to find out about all these schools all over. It's not like he plays Oregon every year, Oregon State every year. He hasn't played a lot of these teams ever. So he's got to break down all those coaches, all their tendencies, everything to start over in a new conference. And when you when you sit down with a guy like Harbaugh, you know, he's a football guru. And I would sit down and become friends with him and utilize his knowledge, not be bigger than him. I would feel as though if I could help him, too, in Southern California, I would do that. But I would unite myself with him because you never know exactly how he can help you, and there's no reason to fight him. He's a big name now in Southern California. And you, as a head coach, has got to be able to know that your public relation image now at this time is very very important as far as the marketing because Harbaugh is getting the front pages of all the newspapers and discussions. So I would be more united with him than I would not. So there's a lot of things that you have to do as a head football coach at this time to be ready to play. Recruiting is very important. We'll talk about that in a moment, but I just want to, I'll stop talking about this topic now, but those are some things that I would do. Now, Coach, I think that makes a lot of sense, with especially with Jim Harbaugh, because we've seen Michigan and Baltimore have this alliance. Now, they're brothers, John Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh, but they would send coaches back and forth. I think there was you know sharing of information. It did seem to help both programs uh, that they were able to kind of work together. And you know, maybe we saw something along those lines with. Eric Henderson coming to USC with Sean McVay and the Rams. Maybe there's some something working there. But now that Jim Harbaugh's in LA, there's probably things that Lincoln Riley can help him with, draft wise, player wise. You know, they recruit guys all over the country. Jim Harbaugh's got a lot of knowledge of that too, because he's just coming from the college ranks, but you know, down the road. And then, you know, where there could be coaches exchanged or whatever. I mean, where you kind of give a if if Harbaugh wants a coach seasoned up a little bit and he sends him to USC and then he comes back, we we've saw that uh, with Michigan and Baltimore. Maybe you get a similar kind of thing happening, but his specific knowledge with the Big Ten that would be you know some really valuable information I would think for Lincoln Riley going into it too. So that makes a lot of sense that both you know high profile coaches in the same city. There's probably uh, you know mutually beneficial relationship that can be had there. So. Um, that would be really, I think that, that makes a lot of sense to me, coach, if they were able to kind of do that and Lincoln Riley's like, Hey, come to my house. And, you know, I think Jim Harbaugh said he was going to live in like a trailer or something <laughs> on the facility, but, uh, yeah. Hey, come to my mansion in Palos Verdes, hang out, look at the ocean and let's, uh, work out some ways where we can help each other. Right. And I would ask him questions like, Hey coach, when I was at Michigan, how did you look at the USC football program? What was your observation of it? What what are we doing right and what are we doing wrong? Tell us. And he and he was the type of guy to tell you. And um, in recruiting, when you came in, what did you say to some of these players like Graham from Servite 
I don't know if SC recruited him, not the defensive lineman. What technique did you use to get him to go to the Big Ten? What is uh, the things possibly you can suggest we're doing right or we're going to have to do to do right to compete there? And I'd get a real and say, be honest to me. If you, if you don't think we're being looked on very strongly or people are looking forward to play, tell me. Because I want you to help me. I'm talking to you about it, and I can, like you said, we'll help each other. And it's just coaches talk. But you need to talk to someone who really can give you an honest opinion. Not me, not you, not the media, not your athletic director, not your assistant coaches, but somebody who's there. And I used to do that all the time. When Lavelle Edwards was at BYU and I was at UNLV, we played them in the opening game, and they really had a great offense. They had Steve Young then. I didn't know who Steve Young was when we opened. The next year, I sent my offensive staff to Provo, and they met with Norm Chow and talked about everything, shared information on why they do this and why they do that. And coaches don't like each other during the season, but during the offseason, they try to find out why did you do this and how did you beat them. And how did you block this defense? And why did you run that play all the time? Because they're helping each other. And I think this is the type of thing that Lincoln Riley's got to do, especially in town when you're going to play the teams that he just won the national championship playing last year and has played them for the last several years. Yeah. All right, Coach, I want to talk about recruiting as well. I know you had some thoughts on, you know, we have signing day coming up on Wednesday. I mean, maybe a couple guys, but nothing really big happening just because most of the signing was happening in December during the early signing period. This is the more traditional one. We're probably here from Lincoln Riley on Wednesday. We usually do. haven't got word on that yet, but we'll see. I'll uh, make some calls here and find out if they're going to have a press conference or whatever it is. Uh, but I, you know, I know you had some thoughts on recruiting nationally versus California, how it could change recruiting for the Big Ten going forward. So I just want to kind of pick your brain and get any thoughts on that. Well, I think recruiting uh, nationally is good. And I think the way you've got to do that, and uh, the way I looked at it and the way Pete Carroll looked at it and the way I did in Nevada, the same thing, is you've got to recruit your home field. You've got to make your coaches proud that you visited their campus and people say, did you see who I saw on campus today? Lincoln Riley was on campus today because the word gets around on these things that happen. We have two or three of the top high school football teams in the country here in Southern California in St. John Bosco, Corona Centennial, modern day in the country. Well, they, you got to own those schools. You can't let these people leave there. You got to have a coach on the campus each week. You got to be there yourself. You got to wrap up and put a fence around the state of California before you go anywhere else. And you've got to get these high school coaches and players to believe how important and how great football they play. So they want to come to USC. You can't say, well, I was left with a bunch of California kids that really the cupboards were bare, that type of the. Uh, feeling I get. Well, that's sort of humiliating the coaches of 
Southern California and the players from Southern California. Well, we got to clean the cupboards. I got to go nationally. Uh, our players don't look like their players. We don't have to say that. You just go out and you try to say, we're going to get every great player in the state of California and we're going to do it. And then we're going to go out where we can't get the players or the players aren't here in California and recruit any player that we go out of state to get is going to be a number one draft choice. You remember when Pete Carroll used to say, when I go out of state, every player we're going to recruit out of state is going to be a number one draft choice. That's what we want to go after. And maybe you don't get them all, but you don't need them all. You need to just get your share. And you let those people know that, hey, we're not going after everybody in Georgia. We're going after you because we need you and you're going to be an all-pro, an all-American at USC. You're just going to be a regular player at Georgia. But we need you. We want you out there. And we're going to make you a player. And and I think that you've got to be able to uh, create a feeling where kids again want to go to USC, that they're proud of USC, that they mention that Linky Riley's on campus at USC, that all the high school coaches in Southern California are welcome to any practice at USC, and they don't can only stay ten minutes; they can stay all day at a spring practice so that they feel special and they can bring their players to those types. you got to open the gates to the players and coaches in Southern California. Now, if they don't want me in there, throw me out or throw you out. But I don't have any eligibility. The kids that have eligibility in those coaches, you got to depend on them. So I make a real, real effort to get my philosophy into getting back into the state of California and not allowing these players to go somewhere else, especially when you have three of the top tens in the country high schools right here. Now it makes a lot of sense, coach. I think that's that, you know, building that, I guess those inroads and maybe some of the new coaches on the staff uh, will help do that, but you need to be able to kind of recruit the locals. And, and like you said, with Pete Carroll, first round draft picks, um, outside, you know, and uh, and be able to kind of do both of those. But it'll be interesting to see sort of how this kind of changes. I think they were counting on having a good season this year to help with the recruiting aspect of it. Uh, NIL is changing. There's a lot changing going on uh, in the in the, the recruiting world. So it seems like it changes by the day. So we'll have to kind of see how that goes. Um, we got a couple of questions, and then we'll, we can let you go, Coach. Uh, Levi wrote in and said, player development for the defensive lineman group has not been good the last few years, what would you do to improve it during spring camp and summer workouts? Well, first of all, I'd have to evaluate the personnel and, and put them in a position they can accomplish what you're asking them to do. Uh, I don't go to practice, so I don't know what type of players they are. The only time I can evaluate them is in the game. And I don't, you know, have a video of the game where I watch a video of the of the teams and so on. But I'd evaluate who can play and who can't play. And you got to know who you can win with and who you can't win with. And you've got to be able to get your players on the field. I mean, they've lost some players that I'd have kept and put a bit linebackers inside linebackers because I think they could play. I think you had players playing outside. I think you take Gentry and make him an outside rush guy. Because that's what he's best at, his quickness. You look at these guys that are playing in the NFL. 
they're not, they're they're tossing and they're quick and they put pressure on the outside. They don't, you know, and that's what you need is pressure on the outside and run down the backside and do the things and look for backside plays coming back. Keep your quarterback in the pocket and so on. Gentry, I think, is a rush guy. I would move him around and put him on the uh, you know the weak side, let him rush the quarterback, get a linebacker who can plug up the hole. That uh, maybe he's not a rush guy. I would evaluate all my personnel 100%, and depending on what you played before, may may not be what you're going to play now. And I would find out who will tackle somebody on the line of scrimmage, who will penetrate, who will uh, who can run, who can't run. And I got to evaluate him, who we can win with. I don't want a guy on the field we can't win with, so I got to get my 11 players in a way on the field that can play defense. Like I said earlier, I could be a great coach, but I got to have a great horse to ride, okay? Like a jockey does. So that's the first thing I'd do. And who can do that now? I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure on the portal players are bringing in how good they are. Uh, normally, I'm saying normally, when you get a portal player, he's leaving for a reason, okay? And why is he leaving for a reason? The coach yelled at him. He didn't like the competition. He didn't want to compete. Uh, because I've, I've taken a lot of transfers, and, and it hasn't, in all cases, worked out. Now, when I took a community college player, he came in ready to play, and that's what I used to do, bring community college players in. Uh, to plug the holes that we were missing, so I think you gotta you gotta do that, and uh, hope that the portal players you're bringing in on the defensive line can help you. I think some of the ones they brought in last year didn't help them at all, and I think some of the ones they brought over the last couple of years haven't helped them at all, hardly. But I guess they played. I think that uh, you got to get away from rotating a lot of your down guys because you don't have the players. The players you bring in aren't the same talent of the players you have on the field. You're not. You don't have enough depth to uh, rotate all those players. You got to get them in shape. Look at Michigan when they played. How much rotation did they do on their defensive side of the front? And uh, that's my first suggestion: is you better evaluate your talent because I can be a damn good coach, but I can't coach somebody that can't play. Yeah. Makes sense, Coach. All right, we've got one last thing. Uh, so Dan, class of 1962, wrote in, uh, was happy mostly. This was after the Holiday Bowl and kind of talked about that a little bit, but it's been a while. But he wants to know, he he thought he liked the way Miller Moss played. And he said, um, Coach, how do you keep two or more quality quarterbacks engaged in the program when only one can play each year for consistency? And do you need... Um, a quality backup quarterback. And since uh, he wrote that in, Jaden Maiava, and you can maybe talk about him, Coach, uh, UNLV quarterback, who you're familiar with, uh, transferred into the program. So he'll you know compete with Miller Moss, uh, was a, with all Mountain West freshman selection there. Um, but yeah, thoughts on how keeping quarterbacks engaged and some Jaden Maiava thoughts, Coach? Well, <clears throat> Miller Moss... Uh first of all, I think is a, a true Trojan. You know, you talk about uh, once a Trojan, always a Trojan. Remember, you used to talk about that, you know, and uh, people have that saying. Uh, I think he is. He's been through a lot of change at USC, different coaches. He's stayed there, different quarterbacks. And he's proven he wants to be a Trojan. 
And I think to me, he doesn't have to prove anything more as far as I'm concerned. He's my starting quarterback. I'm not going to tell him, hey, we're going to, uh, we're going to have a, a tryout in the spring. You're my guy. When you throw six touchdown passes and play as well as you did, the kids love you. The kids want to follow you. When you say charge, they're going to charge with you. You demonstrated that. Are you going to bring in a new guy and he's going to say charge? They don't even know who the guy is yet. I would have to say that guy's got to prove himself, okay? He basically came to USC because of the amount of dollars they gave him, okay? He was going to go to where? Somewhere down in the south, Georgia. I don't know where. And I guess uh, USC outbid them. I'm, I'm just assuming this. I don't know. But Miller Moss is there, and Miller Moss proved himself. And the players played well behind him, and he was excited on the sideline, and they rallied around him. He didn't sit on the bench. He encouraged the defense. They played as a football team for the first time I've seen in a long time, where there's excitement and so on. And the fans feel good about that last game of the year, as far as seeing that type of play again. But I think the key thing to Miller Moss, he's not a runaround guy. He's not a guy that's going to scramble around and make a play that wasn't even called, but he made a play out of it because he ran around and found a guy that was open that came back to him and got to the open area and somebody threw the football. Now he does do that, and he will do that well. But I think he's got to be under a structured offense that fits his skills, like the Joe Burrows type of offense or the offenses of the Michigans and teams where their quarterbacks were great quarterbacks, but you fit something that the key fit the door. And I think that if you run the football and you have a balanced offense and you utilize your tight ends more like you see all the time in the NFL and Big Ten at Notre Dame and all these places, you'll be a more balanced type of offense than a runaround type of thing. And if a play happens great or not, you've got to be completely designed for any part of the field. You've got to be able to go in the center. You've got to be able to get down there and do the eye, the blast, the traps on the goal line. You've got to be able to have the confidence that your guy is the driver of the bus. And the kids love him because they know he's not Caleb Williams. He's not going to run around and do all those magic. We call him the magician, if you remember. That's not Miller Moss. So I think he's got to learn under that type of system, and I hope that uh, Lincoln Riley is preparing for the spring for that type of performance and that type of offense. If he looks through what's going to happen in the Big Ten and who he's playing, as far as we've got to be able to do these type of things in bad weather conditions, good weather conditions, windy conditions, whatever, to win football games. Yeah. All right, Coach. Uh, well, that's about it. Oh, the, with what? How? What have you seen from Mayava? Oh, okay. I think he did a great job at UNLV as a freshman. Uh, I think he made some mistakes. He threw some interceptions, uh, but he's a young player. He's big. He's strong. Uh, uh, he's ready to uh, have a backup year at USC and and learn the offense. Uh, right now, he's not ready to. Uh, to play in the Big Ten, nothing against the kid, but I think he's got talent, and uh, I think that you know he's a big kid now. He's six four, six five, two hundred thirty pounds. He runs well. He's a tough kid. Doesn't like to run out of bounds. He'll take you on. 
not afraid to run a quarterback draw. And when you're tackling him in the secondary, you're tackling a big back. Uh, so I think he's got potential, but you got to bring him along slowly. He's got to learn the system. You can't get him excited, flustered, or he'll make a mistake. Yeah, makes sense, Coach. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting prospect for sure, and USC needs some depth there uh, at the quarterback spot. So uh, glad we could get your thoughts on him. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up for this episode. Coach, really appreciate you coming on again and uh, talking about all things USC football. So thanks. Uh, stay dry out there, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, my man. Thank you very much. And uh, again, uh, we want to uh, welcome you all back to the Stay with us, man. We're going to have a podcast uh, when we have something to talk about. So, uh, uh, Ryan, I want to thank you for joining us, uh, me joining you. And uh, I want to thank you when you join me on my radio shows and so on. So buckle up, everyone, and follow me. Follow me at Coach RV Hyde, and I'll tell you when I'm on. All right, that sounds good. Follow Coach at Coach RV Hyde. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 